Amen. I appreciate the songs this morning. Let's take our Bibles, open to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And again, do we want to encourage you to be back, of course, next Sunday. Our missions conference begins, and uh, what an exciting time uh, of the year for our church that is. Um, really looking forward to the different missionaries we'll be having. And um, each evening, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we'll be having different missionaries speak and have different video presentations they'll be sharing with us and sharing their testimonies and uh, just uh, being able to get to know them. Uh, and of course, Sunday afternoon, after the morning service, we're going to have a special uh, international banquet together and uh, enjoy lunch. And so I uh, hope you'll be able to stick around for that and just be able to get to know our missionaries and things. Uh, looking forward to it. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning. Lord, just thank you for the beautiful music that's already been sung, and Lord, just a magnifying the name of Jesus, lifting up your name this morning, and who you are and what you've done for us. And Father, I pray that you would just bless now as we open your word. Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that the songs have prepared us for what you'd have for us through your word. And Lord, may we not just be hearers, but Lord, may we be doers as well and apply your word into our life. You'd help us to draw closer to you. And Lord, just bless in the service now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're looking at really just verse number one and verse number two this morning of chapter five because this really kind of begins a new series, if you want to call it that, within the series of the book of Ephesians. And uh, as Paul begins to introduce really kind of his, if you could say, closing statements and things, he's coming toward the end of the book of Ephesians. We just have chapter five and chapter six remaining. And uh, Paul begins, as he's been talking about our walk as a Christian in chapter 4, how we're supposed to walk in unity, and then he saw uh, how he tells us we are to walk in holiness, right? So think about what he's saying, we're to walk in unity, we're to walk in holiness. He talked about putting off the old man, putting on the new man that is renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. And then as we come here to chapter 5, he gives a very powerful statement be therefore followers of God. Be followers of God. Now, it's an interesting statement that Paul makes here because obviously Paul is writing to the church, right? He's writing to the church of Ephesus. But yet he says to the church, be followers of God. Now, we would assume already that if they're part of the church, that they are following God, would we not? And yet Paul says, be followers of God. We are to be followers of God as dear children. The word follower is the Greek word mimetes, which means, it's actually where we get our word mimic or imitate. To imitate. So think about what he's saying, be therefore followers of God or be imitators of God. Mimic him, imitate him. We're to imitate our father. 
just as a child imitates his earthly father, their earthly parents. How I mean, you know how children learn? You know what the, the probably more than any other way, do you know how children learn? By watching and listening, right? Now you can teach, right? You can teach them things, but children learn faster than, than really any other way by watching and listening, by imitating. They watch, they listen, and then of course, what do they do? They try it, right? They try it. Little kids, you ever seen them? The dad's out there mowing, and the little kid has a little, one of those little bubble mowers or one of those little pop mower things, and he's out there. What is he? They're imitating what they're seeing. Dad's out there with the push mower. The little kid's behind with the little, little pop mower, little bubble mower, right? They're imitating it. You've seen little girls. What do they do? They get into their mother's makeup, right? Why do they do that? Well, they saw mom doing it, right? And so they, they think, well, hey, if mom does it, and then I need to do it too. And so they get in, and they're, they're imitating what they've seen, right? Now, it may need a good cleanup after that, but they're imitating it, right? Okay. Little child, little girl trying on, putting on her mother's shoes. A kid watching his dad shave and wanting to do it too. So he has to get his face all lathered up, right, like dad does when he's shaving and his dad gets the razor, then the little boy, of course, with the little clip still on it, not a real razor, okay? Let's them kind of follow dad. They're imitating. They're mimicking. They're watching what mom and dad are doing, and then they are they're implementing it. They're imitating it, right? Or when a child says something that's not good, Right? And when they say it, you know it's because just yesterday, you know you said the same thing and they heard you, right? And then you're like, don't say that. Well, but dad, you said it. Mom, you said it, right? You ever done that, right? It's funny how when a child is bad, we want to let everyone know that the child is the other parents, <laughs> right? You know, we always say, you know, what is it? The good things they take after me. The bad things, they take after the other one, right? You know, those, those the bad things, the imitating, those things, they take after the other parent, right? It's amazing how many times the mothers say, well, they take after me in the good things. They take after the dad and the bad things, right? That seems to be how it is all the time. I don't know why, um, but that seems to be how it is. But this is what he's saying here. Imitate. Be followers. Be imitators of God. If we are the children of God, then we are to imitate our Father. We're to imitate Him. Now, how are we to imitate our Father? Well, that's what Paul begins to explain in this chapter. And there are three things that Paul is specifically, excuse me, specifically, that's a hard word to say, specifically, right? If you get that P before the S, it just doesn't work right. Specifically, that's like the Pacific Ocean. It's specific, right? Specifically, there are three areas that Paul is going to explain to us how we are to follow or imitate God in, right? In fact, the first one is what we're going to look at this morning. We are to imitate him in love, right? We see that here in verse number two. And then later on in verse number eight, we see that we're to imitate him in light, and then later on in verse number 15, we see that we're to imitate him in wisdom. And we're going to look at these three things 
over the course of the next few weeks. But this morning, we're going to break down this first one this morning. He says, imitate in love. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And then what does he say? And walk in love. Walk in love. So he says we are to imitate our Father. And here's the first way he says we're to imitate him. In love. We are to imitate our Father, God our Father, in love. Now, how do we do that? Well, he tells us, right? Notice, first of all, we find in verse number one, he says, be therefore followers of God. So may I say, firstly, in order to imitate in love, we are to imitate as God's child. As God's child. May I say, the only way you can imitate the Father is if you are a child of the Father. And I know there's confusion today in our world and in, even in religion where we think that just everyone is God's ch- child, right? We're all the children of God. Well, I'm sorry to say this morning, friend, that's not biblical. We are not all God's children, right? Just because someone is in the world today does not mean that they are God's child. That isn't what the Bible tells us. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are actually two spiritual families in the world today. There is God's family, and then there is Satan's family. And we are born, when we are born into this world through our physical birth, we are naturally born into Satan's family, into this spiritual family that is our natural man. It is our sinful nature. We're just, we're just born into that family. We are lost. We are separated from God, right? Um, But then the Bible tells us to be placed into God's family, then we must be born again. We're to be born again. This is what Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This religious leader comes to Jesus by night and he says, Lord, what, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, ye must be born again. Now think about that. Here's a religious man. Not just a religious man, but this is a high religious man. This is a Pharisee. No doubt, probably even one of the Sanhedrin possibly, right? This was one of the most elite religious leaders in Israel. And here he comes to Jesus and he asks these questions. What what am I supposed to do? And how can I inherit eternal life? And, And Jesus says to this religious man, you need to be born again. Why? Because religion does not place you into God's family. Being born in a Christian home. Well, my mom and dad are Christian, so then I must be a Christian. No. Being born in a Christian home does not place you into God's family. Well, I was baptized at this certain time. No, baptism doesn't place you into God's family. Jesus said you must be born again. Or to be born again, there is, a, there is a birth that has to take place. It is a spiritual birth. And that's why Jesus says, or John tells us in John chapter 1, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Bible very clearly tells us the only way that we are able to be born again, the only way we are able to be part of God's family is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It's not through a church. It's not through religion. It's not through baptism. It's not through good works. You say, but man, I've I've really tried to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, that's great. I'm glad you've tried, but I guarantee you, you have failed. You failed. 
You couldn't keep them. You haven't kept them. Why? Because, see, you're, you're still part of the, that Satan's family, that, that spiritual family of the devil, right? And nothing that you and I can do can get us out of there. That's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the only one who is able to take us out of the devil's family and place us into God's family. He's, he's the only, we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it. That's why we have a, a missions conference. That's why we send missionaries uh, around the world to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ. Because their religion has deceived people in thinking, well, you can just be a good enough person or you just join our church or just get baptized and that will be enough to get you to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that it is only through Jesus Christ, nothing else, nothing else. You say, well, Pastor, you have, we have missionaries come, but I notice you have the American flag up there. <coughs> Are you saying that America is a mission field? Yes. America is a mission field. Not just because we, we need, you know, not just because we need missionaries to come to America, but look, can I tell you this morning, we need Christians to be witnessing and telling others about Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, Brother Sakelli is going to be going to Washington, right? Uh, there's a great need for churches, more churches out on the West Coast. A great need for the gospel out there. And so he's saying, the only way, and this is what he says, be therefore followers of God. The only way we can be a follower of God is if we have been born again. So may I ask you this morning, I'm not asking you what church you're a part of. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you're a good person. What I'd like to ask you this morning is, do you know for sure that you have been born again? Because if you haven't been born again, you cannot follow God. If you've not been born again, you're not his child, and you cannot imitate him, right? You must be born again. If you've never been born again, we'd love to take the word of God, God's word, not man's word, not man's religion, but God's word, and show you how you can be born again. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ, nothing else. But notice the second thing we find. We must be God's child, but notice secondly he says, we're to imitate and love as dear children. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. I found this very interesting, and, and this is why I, I really thought I could get a little bit more into the message this morning, but after I was looking at this, I just thought there's, there's no way that you can just, I mean, just this, these two verses are so powerful if we would just think and meditate on them. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Paul writing to the church, he says, be ye, not just one person, but all of them. His desires for all of these believers in the church to be followers of God, to be imitators of God as dear children. And think about that phrase, as dear children. As dear children. The word dear used in the Greek is the word agapao. It's very similar to the word agape. What we would think of, we know the word agape, right? Agape means what? Love, right? So agapao is very similar to that word. And, and the word agapao means beloved. It's that same word. In fact, we find when uh, many times when God the Father says, this is my beloved son, it's that word, agapao. It's, it's a term of endearment. 
right? He's not just saying, well, these are my children. No, he says, be followers of God as dear children, as beloved children of God. I got to thinking about what that means. What does that mean to follow God, to imitate God as beloved children, as dear children? I think we can look at what Paul says and we can look at it in two ways, and I think both ways apply. We are dear, we are beloved children to our Father, right? He says, be ye followers of God, imitate God as dear children. You are beloved of the Father. You are, you are his beloved children, right? Because we are beloved children to our Father, he wants the best for us. He wants the very best. And I, if I were to say this morning, and please don't raise your hand, but if I was to say uh, this morning, how many of you believe that God wants the very best for your life? And if I was to say, raise your hand, there's no doubt that probably every person in here who's a Christian would raise their hand and say, yes, I believe that God wants the very best for me. Well, then may I ask you, are you imitating him? Because if we are saying with our mouth, yes, I believe God wants the very best for me, then here's what God says. Imitate him in love. Imitate him in love. In other words, we, we are his beloved children. So therefore, if we believe that, we, that God knows the best for us, then as his beloved children, we ought to want to imitate him. Just as a child, when they see what dad is doing, when they see what mom is doing, you don't have to tell them to imitate. They just do it naturally. A child, you know, you don't have to tell a child, you know, here, play with mommy's makeup. They just do it. Right? You don't have to tell a, a child, hey, I, I'm going to go in and shave. You know, I, I want you to come in here and I'm going to foam you up too. You know, you can do it. No, they just come in and they want to do it. They want to imitate the parents. This is what he's saying. We are God's beloved children. He knows the only way to have the best for our lives is to imitate him in love. To imitate our father Again, think about this. Several times when the Father spoke from heaven, what was it that he called Jesus Christ? This is my beloved Son. Do you understand this morning, Christian? Do you understand if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you understand how loved you are of God? How loved you are. Sang the song a little bit earlier, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But do we really stop and think about how much God loves us? And this is what he said, follow, you, you as believers, if you're a child of God, he says, be therefore followers, imitators of God as dear children. He loves you so much, he wants the best for your life. Are we willing to trust him and say, hey, what his way is right and what his way is best. And so if he is saying I should imitate him love, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to imitate him, I'm gonna follow him in love. Why? Because we are his Dear, beloved children. He loves us. 
Oh, can we, can we not be thankful this morning for God's love for us? Now, I'm not just talking about salvation and we can praise God for that, right? But I'm talking about from the day we got saved, God's love has been evident in our life. I mean, as his child, he's always, he's watching out for us. He's looking out for us. He's blessing us. He, he loves us. Why? Because we are his beloved children. We ought to imitate him in love. But I believe there's another way that we can look at this when it says, therefore followers of God as dear children. First, we are dear, we are beloved children to our Father. But think of this as well. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Our Father is to be dear. Our Father is to be beloved to his children. It's not just the father loving the child. There's no doubt we know that. We're, there's no doubt that we know the love that the father has for us. But what about the love that we have for the father? As dear children, I don't know about you, but if you're a parent, I don't think there's anything greater that a parent can hear than when a child comes up and says, Dad, I just, I love you. I love you, Dad. Mom, I love you. You know, sometimes my kids will stick little notes uh, around my office and, uh, or in my Bible or some places like that, and, and you, can, you can flip through my Bibles that I have, and, and I'll have notes. I don't remember when the kids wrote them, but they're still there because it says something like, Dad, I just want you to know I love you. Dad, you're the best. I love you. You can go to my computer right now. There's a, there's a yellow sticky note on there. One of the kids wrote, Dad, I love you. It's right on my computer. I, kept, I keep it there. You know why? Man, it's special to me. It's special to me. It's special when we know our children love us. I mean, we want them to know that we love them, but how much more special is it when they return that and say, Dad, I love you. Mom, I love you. As dear children, we know God loves us, but I wonder, I wonder, does God know that we love Him? Does God know that? Oh, say, well, God knows everything. Well, I understand God knows everything, but here's again what He's saying. How are we able to show, how are we able to imitate our Father in love? And if our Father loves us and we are dear to him then as dear children we ought to love our father we ought to love our god think about this because of what our father has done for us we ought to want to imitate him we want to follow what he has for us because he is dear to us he is beloved to us Again, I don't think you can ask for a greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we hear the Father speaking of the Son when He says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But we see the reverse. We see the Son speaking of the Father. 
right? We know the Father speaks of the Son and says, this is, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But what about the words of the Son? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The Son says, hey, I am so loved of the Father that my desire is to do the work that the Father wants me to do. I understand my Father's love for me is so great that now he's given me this job to do and there's nothing greater for me to do than the work that the Father's given me to do because I know his love for me is great. We get this idea somehow that because of God's love, it's almost like we get this idea that God somehow deserves us, right? Somehow God is lucky to have us, right? I mean, I mean God, you're just, you're just lucky to have me, you know? I mean, you're just lucky that I chose to believe in Jesus, Friend, if, can I tell you, if that's your attitude toward God, it's not as dear children. But can I say, that's many times the way the attitude of our lives are. And that's why when God says, when we think about the love of God and we think God's way is best and God's way is perfect for us, and then when we look at what the Father says, we're like, yeah, no, I just don't think so. Mm-mm. Nope, not going to do it. Wait a minute, what happened to his dear children? What happened to recognizing the Father's love? Jesus said, hey, I know the Father's love. Jesus said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus said, hey, let me tell you something. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I know the love of the Father, and that impels me. It makes me want to do what the Father has told me to do. It makes me want to do what he wants me to do because of his love for me. I want to imitate his love. He says, not my will but thine be done. Why would Jesus be willing to say that even though he knows it's leading to his death? Why would he say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done? Because he wants to imitate the love of the Father. He says, I know the Father's love for me is great and I want to show my love to him. So Lord, let me tell you something. Nothing is, there's no holds here. Anything you want, God, it's yours. Yes, Lord, if it was my will, If it was my will, maybe there'd be some other way to do it. But not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Oh, so many times as Christians, we know, we know that God loves us. But when it comes to actually being obedient and doing what God says for us, we're like, no, God, I don't want that. No, God, I don't want to do that. And what is that telling our father? We're not dear children. We're not beloved. he, He is not beloved of us. His, his love is, yes, we accept his love, but we're not willing to give his love in return after what he has done for us. We just, we want the blessings. We want all that God has for us, but we're not willing to love him in the same way that he loves us. He says, be followers of God as dear children. We know the Father's love never changes for us. But friend, can I tell you this morning, if we are not obedient to him, then are we truly dear children? Are we truly beloved children? Oh, his love will never change. But because, and again, there's two ways. Look at this. We could say we're following him because of his love for us, but we're following him because of our love for him. We are his dear children, and he loves us, and so I want to follow him. I want to be obedient to him. I want to please him. I want to do what he says. But instead, we, we, ex- we expect his love. We expect his blessings, 
and then basically snub our nose in God's face and say, give me the blessings, but I don't want to love you in return. Now, please, I understand. There, there's no doubt in my mind that no one here this morning, no one here would say, I do not love God. Nobody would say that. Nobody would say, every person here this morning that knows Christ as their Savior, every one of us would say, yes, we know the love of God, and I love God too. But friend, here's the question. It's not what we say with our mouth. Notice he said, be ye followers. Imitate. If he doesn't see the same love in our life for him, we are not imitating him. We are not following him. We're simply takers. We're taking God's love and we're using it for our own benefit and our own purpose. And this is why he says, notice the third thing here. And he he really explains what this love is, right? Watch what he says in verse number two. And walk in love, how? As Christ also hath loved us, right? So we are to imitate We're to imitate him in love as Christ loved us. He says, you want to know the greatest example of love? Here it is. Jesus Christ's love for you. There's the greatest example of love. What we can see is Christ's example. We know God is love. Think about it. He says, walk in love. Now, please, did you notice that? What does he say in verse number two? And walk in love. He doesn't just say, say in love. It's easy to say, harder to walk. Right? He says, walk in love. Don't just say it. Walk it. Prove it. Live it. Do it. It's easy to say, but do it. Walk it. Live it out. Right? And we know, 1 John 4, 8, he that loveth not, Knoweth not God, for God is love. He says, God is love. If you want to know love, then you have to know God. Look, the world has the wrong idea of love. You know why? Because they cannot know God. They they don't know God. And therefore, because they do not know him, they do not know love. The, The only way that we can truly know love is through God. It's just the opposite of how he just ended the chapter in chapter 4. Remember? We saw this last week. Remember what he said? Put away lying and anger and stealing and filthy, rotten words. Put away bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking. He says, put those things away and walk in love. Look, can can I tell you this morning? If you have bitterness in your heart, you're not walking in love. If you have wrath and anger in your heart, you're not walking in love. If you're not being honest, and if you're not being truthful, and if you're not doing a hard day's work, as what he's talking about here, and you go back and look at the past, if you're stealing, if you're doing all these things, you're not walking in love. Oh, I'm a Christian, I love God. Walk it. That's what he says. He says, you're going to have to put away all these things, walk in holiness, walk in God, walk in love. This is what he's saying. We are trying to emulate not the world, not the Gentile way, but God's way, the holiness way. That's what he's saying. 
Walk in love. Don't walk in anger. Don't walk in wrath. Don't walk in clamor. Don't walk in evil speaking. Don't walk in stealing and lying and and deceitfulness. Don't walk in all those ways. Hey, that's easy to walk. Why? Because that's the Gentile way. That's the unbelieving way. But God's way is different. God's way is walking in love. Walk in love, he says, as Christ hath loved us. I found this quote very interesting, very convicting. Sin is not merely the presence of hate. It is equally the absence of love. Think about that. Sin is not just the absence of anger or hate or malicious words. It's not just the absence of that. No, no. It's also the absence of love. You say, well, I don't, I don't hate anybody, and I'm not angry at anybody, and, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't speak bad about people. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. But what about love? Do you truly have the love of God in your heart? Are you imitating God's love? Well, I just, I just can't love them because of what they did to me. I just can't love them because of how they treated me. I just can't love them because of what they said to me. I just can't love... Well, friend, if, if you're saying you can't love them, then you're saying you can't imitate the Father. You can't imitate God? He tells you to. Walk in love. Be followers of God and walk in love. This is what he's telling us to do. It's not easy to do. We still have that sinful nature. Remember, we talked about that last week. We have the old flesh, and we have the new nature, and we have to choose which one we're going to put on. The problem is we've become so comfortable with the old nature, we don't even recognize that we don't have the new nature on. We become so comfortable in our, in our anger, in our wrath, and in our bitterness, and in all these We become so comfortable in that, we don't even recognize that we don't have the love of God in our life, and we're not imitating his love. Listen, I know there were times when Jesus called out the Pharisees, but when you look at how he spoke to them, he spoke in love. His desire was for them not to see hatred in his heart and in his life, but to see love. And even when Judas came in the garden and kissed him on the cheek, the sign of the betrayal, what does Jesus say? Friend, betrayest thou me with a kiss? And he was like, Peter, get him, man. You got a sword, kill him. That's what we would have done. And yet he calls Judas friend. Friend, betrayest thou me with a kiss? Can I tell you something? I'm going to be very honest with you this morning. We don't imitate our father the way we like to think we do. He's writing to the church. That's why he's writing to believers, hey, look, there needs to be something different about us. There needs to be something different about our life than the rest of the world. You want to know what needs to be different? What was it that drew people to Jesus? What, people, what was it that drew thousands and thousands of people? Was it just for the miracles? Yes, they were there to see the miracles, but it was his love for them. What was Jesus accused of always being around? He was accused of always being around the publicans and the sinners, around the prostitutes, around the lawyers, around the people that everybody else hated. Why was he there with them? Because he loved them. He loved them. He wanted them to come to know him. Can I ask you a question? Why has God put the people around you 
that are around you. Whether it's at work, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's in your family, why has God put you there? You say, well, that's just where I chose. No, that's not where you chose. That's where God puts you. Why did God put you there? God put you there to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And let me ask you a question. Serious question. If God puts you there to show the love of Christ, what do they think about Jesus? What do they think about Jesus? Do they think that Jesus is a man of anger? Do they think that Jesus is a man that's selfish? Do they think that Jesus is some, a, a woman that just takes what she wants? Is that what they think of Jesus? Because what they think of Jesus comes from what they think of you. Be ye followers of God as dear children. How sad that many people that we would work with or a family or whatever would want nothing to do with Jesus because all they see in us is that old sinful nature. They don't see Jesus. They don't see the love of Jesus. What was it? Look what he says. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. How? And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What is love? Can I tell you what love is? Look at the Father. Look at the Father, you'll see love. You want to know what love is? Look at the Son. Look at the Son, you'll see love. Look at how we treat people. And ask, is that how the Father treats people? Is that how the Son treats people? Is that how the Father treats me? Is that how the Son treated me? Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse number 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Now think about this. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says, As the Father hath loved me, in the same way I have loved you. What is he saying? I am mimicking, I am, am imitating the Father's love and how he loves me. Now I have loved you in the same way. I have imitated the Father's love. I have, I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know what it is. And so now I have loved you in the same way. The same way. He became the example of the love life for us. And this is what he says. This is my commandment in verse number 12. That ye love one another. How? As I have loved you. Now think about it. He says, I, the Father has loved me. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I know what it is. And so now I have loved you. You've experienced my love. You've seen my love. You've tasted my love. Now I want you in the same way to love others. What is that? That's imitating the Father's love. That's imitating the Son's love. In the same way, he says, the Father's love the son experienced. The father's love, the son knows. The son loved us in the same way. And now he says, you love others in the same way. Now here's the question. 
Why don't we do that? Can I tell you this morning, I'm probably not telling you something new. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm sure some of you have heard this multiple times. Many of you have been in church years and years and years. Maybe there might be some new people here that are like, wow, I've never heard this before. Get it. Get it now. But why, for those of us who are Christians that have been in church for years and years and years, why aren't we loving? Why aren't we imitating the Father's love? He's told us to. Be followers of God as dear children. How? Walk in love. That's a command. We are commanded to do this. He's saying, hey, if you are a child of God, if you are a dear child, you've experienced the Father's love, then you ought to love the Father in return. You ought to love him the same way that he loves you. And we've experienced it. We know it. But we're not going to show it. Why? Why? Why won't we love the way God loves us? Are we so full of pride? Are we so full of self that we just cannot? No, friend, it's not that we cannot. It's we won't. We choose not to love the way the Father says to love. We choose not to imitate the Father's love. We've experienced it, we've seen it, and we say, I'm not going to do it. You say, I would never say that. Then why don't we love the way he tells us to love? Walk in love as Christ loved us and hath given himself an offering and a sacrifice. Think about it. An offering is something that is given voluntarily. It's not something that was commanded. Jesus Christ gave himself willingly for us to show his love for us. And he says, now we are to willingly give ourselves to the Father and say, God, whatever you want, I'm offering myself to you. Whatever you want. A sacrifice? Think about it. A sacrifice to God. You understand that a sacrifice has no rights? A sacrifice was brought for one purpose. You know what that purpose was? To die. And that's where the problem is. We don't want to die. We don't want to die. I'm not talking physical. I'm talking we don't want to die to God. We don't want to die to self. We don't want to imitate our Father because we are so full of self, we will not die to self. We will not die to the flesh. But he says, let me tell you who did. Jesus did. He offered himself as an offering, willingly. As a sacrifice, he was willing to die. Why? So that we could be saved. As a sweet-smelling savor to God. Do you know why Jesus was willing to do that? He was a dear child. He was a beloved 
child. Not just knowing the father's love, but he wanted to make sure that the father knew he loved him as well. Why, don't, why aren't we walking in love? What is, what is it this morning in your life? What is it that you're saying right now? I cannot do that. I won't do it. I don't care how many times I hear it. I just will not do it. What is it? What is it that's keeping that? Why aren't we willing to offer ourselves freely to God? Why aren't we willing to give ourselves as a sacrifice to God? And say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Whatever you want, I'm yours. And I am willing to die. I'm willing to die to self. I'm willing to die to any of these things, any of these excuses that I can come up with, Lord. I'm willing to die to those so that I can imitate the Father's love. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Are you walking in love? Are you imitating the Father in love? I wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed this morning. No one looking about. Every eye closed. I wonder, friend... The questions have been asked already. What is God speaking to your heart about this morning? What excuse are you trying to give to God not to walk in love? I'm not asking what anybody else has done to you. I'm asking what has God done for you? When you think about what God has done for you, And he says, walk in love. Imitate the Father in love. Are we doing it? Or are we saying, I will not die to self. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm a child of God. But I would like to know how to be a child of God. I'd like to know how to be his child, so that I could be that dear child of God, beloved of God. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't, know if I've, I don't know if I'm a child of God. But Pastor, would you pray for me? Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out in any way. But I would like to pray for you this morning. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm a child of God. Pastor, pray for me. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Let's all stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano's just going to play softly.